Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, citizens, to Liberty Tales from the Tower. As your media director, it is my privilege to inform you that the following stories will contain content some listeners will certainly find disturbing. But first, a quick message from our parent network. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. This is Outpost Freestead. I'm reaching out for seizure group and possible rescue services. A storm has stranded us in for over a week. Anyone, please respond. One of the companies I work for needs me to go on a trip. Apparently they received a signal from one of their outposts. And the noise, the scratching from last night. There are marks, scores on the bunker. What kind of marks? Big ones, like a bear, deep into the concrete. It's not bear. And I'm afraid it's you too. During these storms, travel is not advised. The White Vault, coming October 2017. Before tonight's show, we have an urgent message. A meal recall from the Department of Resource Allocation and Defense has been issued as of 300 hours tonight. Please, citizens, examine your meal canisters for any recent stamps beginning with A-R-L and falling between numbers 37,000 and 38,000. Only 465 of the 1,000 contaminated canisters have been recovered so far, and those who consume the contaminated food are known to suffer from internal bleeding, bleeding from the nose and mouth, loss of muscle control, seizures, and eventual death within five hours of consumption. The nature of the contamination has not been released. <laughs> well... Tonight, you're all in for a special treat. We are going to gain a unique insight into an active investigation. 
The Case was written by Sean Francis. So, let's learn more. Just have a seat right here. Here? Yes, that's okay. Thank you for agreeing to come in and speak with us. I can assure you that you're doing your fellow citizens quite a service. Oh, it's really no trouble. Happy to help however I can. Could you please state your name and occupation for the record? Oh, um, of course. My name is Akila Whalen. I'm with the management division of RAD. That's the Department of Resource Allocation and Defense. Yes, I am an auditor. I make sure that the meal is being properly allocated to the citizenry and projects. And I, for the record, am Lieutenant Chowdhury of the Civil Defense Force here with my colleague, Officer McAllister. We have brought Citizen Whalen here as a part of our investigation into case number 1-DECA-263, the incident that occurred several days ago uh, that you witnessed. Oh, uh, uh, of course. I know we have spoken in some detail about what you saw prior to now but it is important that the information is preserved orally. That adds to eight. Now then, go ahead and start from the beginning. Tell us about what happened leading up to the incident. Officer McAllister and myself may need to ask follow-up questions, but otherwise, please continue until we tell you to stop. Understood? Yes, uh, I will begin then. Um... I witnessed the incident as I was on my way to the RAD center where I am stationed. I commute there every morning. I would actually be there now if I were done doing this. I'm sure your colleagues there will miss you. Miss me? Well, I have come to understand that you are quite a hard worker. It must be difficult for them to compensate for your absence. Uh, Oh, yes. Uh, Of course. At any rate, I usually get there via Skyrail. But I had woken up a little earlier than I intended that morning, and since I had some extra time, I just decided to walk. Did your waking up early have anything to do with the incident? Did you perhaps hear something that caused you to wake up? No, just a nightmare. I see. My walk took me from District 6, where my apartment is, to District 7, where I assist with the RAD's mission. I have made the trip several times on foot before, but nothing has ever happened to cause alarm. Both are very safe districts. We here at the CDF like to think that every district in Atreus is safe. Of course. I I mean, sometimes my work takes me to the outer districts, and, well, the Separatists right outside... We understand, Citizen Whalen. Please continue. So, I was just about to make the transition between districts when I heard some kind of faint noise. Could you describe in more detail what you heard? Someone was yelling something. I had difficulty understanding what they were saying. Was there anything about the yelling to suggest whether it was the victim or the aggressor? I I thought they sounded frightened. I guess that would mean that it was the victim. In hindsight, I recognized that I ought to have contacted the CDF right then, or at least a local agent from the community order. But it would I was very concerned about the person's well-being at the time and started towards the source of the commotion without really thinking. Adrenaline can often motivate us to do things that are, perhaps, against our better judgment. Please, continue. As I continued to approach, it became clear to me that the person in distress was a man, and he wasn't calling for help, as I had assumed. He was... begging. What was he begging for? What did he say? 
Well, well, when I got close enough to hear, it sounded like he was saying something like, please stop, I swear I won't say anything. I won't say anything. What about? I, I'm not sure. A lot of the rest of it was just screaming. Screaming? Yes. Even before I was able to see him, I could tell he was being tortured, but I was not yet sure by whom. How could you tell he was being tortured, specifically? Perhaps he was just in a lot of pain. Officer McAllister, my position often requires me to do field work. Providing meal to all of the citizens of Atreus is a more difficult task than it looks. And one of the primary responsibilities of the RAD is to ensure that we're distributing it correctly and fairly. I once visited a distribution center close to the boundary between Atreus and the outside for a routine inspection and discovered that the manager had been slowly beaten half to death by one of his less stable patrons. It's truly horrible. When I found him, he was screaming like, like that man. I was, I was quite sure he was being tortured. I, I see. What did you do after that? I finally reached the alley where the noise was originating, but I did not see anyone there. I discovered that the screaming was coming from a ventilation shaft attached to the nearby building. Was it a residence or a facility? A facility, though it looked to be in some degree of disrepair. I doubt it was being used for any purpose. It must still be in the planning stages for refurbishment. Yeah, perhaps. Though I did not see any notices posted. In any event, this was the first time that I really, um, paused before continuing. It occurred to me that if I were to venture inside, I might risk injuring myself, whether merely because of the building's weak structural integrity or because... Well, because there was a person in there who was hurting someone. I considered that it would be almost certainly best to get in touch with the CDF as soon as possible. Why did you not? I hope you will both believe me when I say that I have nothing but respect for the fine officers of the Civil Defense Force. You all risk so much every day to carry out your duty. And I am certainly thankful to the Archon that my calling is one that is generally much safer. It's just that... I did not think we would arrive on time. It seems silly now, but everything felt so urgent. I thought that the man in there might not have the time that it would take for an officer to come to my location. My thinking was that if I could just maybe make some sort of noise or scare his captor away... Your decision may not have been wise but it showcases a level of bravery above and beyond that of many of our fellow citizens. Next time, however, I would appreciate if you contact us first. Yes, of course. My apologies. Please, keep going. The door was locked, and, and I, well, I'm neither a strong or especially dexterous person, so I was sure that I would be unable to force it open or open it by any craftier means. I looked for another entrance and saw that a window on the floor above was broken. Did you climb up there? I did. I am petrified of heights, so it was difficult and uncomfortable. Fortunately, a nearby storm drain provided enough hand and footholds that the climb itself was not very taxing. But by the time I reached the window and carefully slipped inside, I was shaking profusely. I had to pause for a moment and recover my strength. When you got inside, what did you see? 
The building was a sort of warehouse, as I had suspected. Poorly lit, poorly kept, crates everywhere, though most were empty, and the ones that had anything in them were mostly full of scrap. And there was not a true second floor, just a narrow metal platform that rimmed the boundary of the first floor, raised a story above it. Most of the crates were down below. Were you able to see the victim and the perpetrator at that time? Yes, I was. Could you describe the scene for us, please? I... I can remember the victim's position quite clearly. He was on the ground, and he was trying to... crawl away from his captor. He was... It'll be all right, Citizen Whalen. He is not here. You are quite safe. Yes, uh, of course. It's just that... It's just that he... The victim... That is, by the time his, uh... By the time his, uh... Uh... Mm. His torso had become detached from his lower half, from the waist down. By the Arca. There... There's so much blood. I'm sure that it cannot be right, but it just seemed like it was everywhere, all over the first floor, all of the walls, flooding the crates, dripping from the ceiling. I, I must be misremembering. There was, in fact, a great deal of blood at the scene, citizen, but I think your imagination might be adding it in places where it was not. I see. All the same, your testimony thus far has been very helpful to our case. I would like to encourage you to continue, if you feel you can continue. Right, okay. So, he was crawling away using just his hands. The last desperate act of a man who may as well be already dead. Even if I had managed to get to the torturer's attention, I doubt he would have survived for more than a few moments longer. And were you able to see his captor, citizen? What did he look like? I... Well... Yes? Go on, then. Describe him to us. I am. Um, in previous conversations with you, Officer Chowdhury, I have told you that I was unable to get a clear look at the man. I am afraid to admit now that I was not being honest with you. Citizen Whalen, it is very important that you give the CDF all the information you have during depositions like this. You could have set our investigation back days because you withheld. That is a- enough, Officer. But she. I'm sure Citizen Whalen had reason for neglecting to give us this information. Should we not hear it before we rush to judgment? Hmm. Please, continue. Why did you not tell us this before now? Well, I... I did not think you would believe me. And why is that? I suppose it could be like the blood. Perhaps I was seeing things that were not there. Maybe my mind was playing tricks on me, due to trauma. But... But... He... He did not look Atrian to me. Do you mean to say that he looked like a separatist, or...? No, no. He... (sighs) By Reeve, I am not sure I even know how to describe him. Try. Well, I suppose that his legs seemed normal. Or what I could see of them anyway, he was wearing pants. But his arms, they weren't normal at all. My arms, your arms, they have joints. They bend in certain places. Not at others. We have fingers. Separate fingers. I can assure you, Citizen Whalen, that I am quite well-versed in it. didn't have those. They were long, flexible, and slimy. They looked like fleshy ropes curling and uncurling, writhing around, and his head. What about his head? 
It was hairless. Totally hairless. Not just the top of his head, but his eyebrows, his eyelashes. Gone. His eyes were sunken in. But even from the second story, I could tell that they were wholly black. Even along the outside. His mouth. Mouths are not supposed to open that widely. Or even have that many teeth inside. Sharp teeth. His tongue was hanging out of it so long I could see it resting on his chest. Citizen Whalen, what you are describing is clearly impossible. He moved towards the victim and just let his jaw hang low as though it were a shovel in some sort of machine. And then he... He ate the man's legs. He scooped them up into his mouth with that hideous tongue and just started... just chewing on them, crunching straight through the bone as the person he'd been tormenting finally expired in front of him, having lived just long enough to watch. Citizen Whalen. I know. I know. There must be something wrong with me. Maybe I'm sick, traumatized. Maybe I need help or something, but that's how I remember it. I believe you. What? I just have one more question for you. Then I think we can wrap things up. Detective Chowdhury, you cannot possibly be serious. The man. The victim. Did you, at any point, make eye contact with him? I... Yes. I did. Right before he died. How did you... His expression. What did he look like? I I am... Uh, hmm. D- Detective Chowdhury... Please forgive me, but I'm not sure I understand. Was his expression one of abject terror? Well, yes, of of course. Does it not add to eight that I... Did he look as though nothing in his brief and disappointing life had ever prepared him to face something so incomprehensible and horrifying? Were his eyes alight with raw fear and adrenaline until the very moment that the life left them and he fell fully onto the floor... In a pool of his own blood. Detective, this line of questioning is... Well, Citizen Whalen. Uh, yeah, yeah, yes, Detective. It was... He, he was obviously petrified with fright. Perfect. Per- per- perfect, Detective? Yes, perfect indeed. You see, Citizen, I hate surprises. So I try to ensure that I am not forcing them upon others. Excuse me? Which means there is no reason for you not to expect what is about to happen. It's It's you! Thank the Archon you're here. Our witness implicated that bastard... McAllister, and the traitor attacked. I have never seen anything like it. Such strength. I was only just able to stop it, but it seems in my haste to protect Citizen Whalen, I must have killed McAllister. Chowdry, Chowdry. There, there. No need to thank me, Citizen. Just doing my job. Officers, please. Take the witness to my office. I need to conduct an immediate follow-up interview about this incident. Do make sure that Waylon does not try to escape. It appears as though she may be expressing symptoms of PTSD. No need for this, after all.
Thank you for listening to the Liberty Podcast, Tales from the Tower. The case was written by Sean Francis, produced by Travis Vengroff, and mixed by Brandon Strader. The case was read for us by Abby Kindler, Daniel Demerin, and Travis Vengroff. If you have enjoyed listening to this episode, please consider supporting us on Patreon or by liking and reviewing our show on iTunes. This broadcast is a product of Fool and Scholar Productions. This production is copyrighted 2017 by John Dossinger Publishing, and Liberty is a trademark of Travis Vengroff. Thank you for listening, and may the Archon watch over you. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.